Okay, welcome back, everybody. Oh my gosh, grad school is ridiculous. I am drowning already. That being said, I am taking the accelerated program, so I guess I did sign up for this. But here we are. Let's get into it. I think this one might be slightly longer than my usual, so I'm sorry. I am trying to keep them short, but this one I felt like there was a lot to talk about. Let's get started. So, my pondering thought of the week happened in class when we were talking about differentiation of self. Oh my god, it's going to be so hard saying that throughout this podcast. But, okay, so this is a huge topic, and I know that there are many ways to talk about this, and I feel like... My focus, my focus today is going to be more kind of a vocal reminder and including myself and really this is again for myself that knowing yourself is different than knowing your emotional self. And I feel like for me, there are three types. There could be more, but the first three things that pop into my head is child emotion, teen emotion, adult emotion, And, you know, I guess there could be a fourth one, which is, like, your stagnant or fight-or-flight emotion, your responses. I mean, that's, like, two different people in those scenarios. And as much as we become in tune with our inner selves, authentic and powerful relationships challenge those concepts every day. And that's just a part of being human. We connect or run into people who almost, in some ways, bring to the surface aspects of ourselves we didn't even know we needed to adjust or fine-tune. And that's because we never had somebody like this enter our lives before. And as much as humans don't like to feel comfortable, I feel like the very thing that can attract us to somebody is how uncomfortable they make us feel. In a good way. New emotions, things you've never experienced before. Genuinely liking somebody so much that now fear has entered the chat and you're afraid of losing this connection with this person. All of those can be new experiences. So like example... Let's think of like a person who typically has gone after or attracted those that have some level of codependency, some level, nothing outrightly like, oh my gosh, that is so bad, but just some small little things. And it's never displayed an outright problem in their relationships. Each person basically had a need that the other could fill and it brought a sense of equilibrium. But let's say as this person continues to grow and develop in life, and that could include some self-reflection and emotional evaluation, They may no longer want to play it safe with relationships that fill their needs because they now do it themselves. So they are in search for something new. And while they come prepared, it's always easier said than done, obviously. Now, this person will attract somebody who's doing something similar that they're doing. And that's where the uncomfortable feeling lies. But instead, due to their preparedness and maybe a change of perspective... This uncomfortable feeling is evolved into a hope and a curiosity that they're going to experience something new. Take it a step further, these people will reach the next level of development and they will help each other discover other parts of themselves that need fine-tuning and the cycle repeats. And obviously for, you know, some people, the hope is that they find somebody who can do the cycle with them until, you know, they're old and gray. In short right? Most people would agree that having a strong sense of self is a good thing for building relationships of any kind. I mean, 
it helps with not building codependency and other possibly unhealthy behaviors to occur. It allows you to truly enjoy the entirety of a person for who they are and not what they give to you. And I guess that enters in the conversation of differentiation of self. So one definition is this occurs when an individual is able to distinguish between intellectual processes and feeling process he or she experiences. I guess an example could be watching a sad movie and intellectually you're processing what the characters are experiencing and then there's an additional set of experiences which is your own feeling and that could process from whether you could relate to the sad moment like if it's a character dying and it's relatable because it's like wow I had a family member or this person died and I can relate to this scene so there's two different things going on and you're able to differentiate that that's easy because it's a movie but it can get harder as you experience these things in intimate relationships because it's very easy and also part of the process is you bond with these people so your emotions your intellect and your emotional feeling and the processing of it all kind of become intertwined so dr bowen he was a american psychiatrist who became one of the pioneers of family therapy said that differentiation is a product of a way of thinking that translates into a way of being the ability to be in emotional contact with others yet still autonomous, separate, and one's own emotional functioning. To me, this creates an amazing foundation to see and feel the world in a dual and synchronous experience. In my mind, I kind of see it as having wonder, seeing the world through the eyes of a child, and children are very resilient beings, and then also being outspoken and courageous as a teenager. And while we didn't always display it internally, a teen's heart is on fire with eagerness and fear to, I mean, tangled with excitement for the world. And they fight every day to discover purpose and to find truth. And then as we get older, there's wisdom to kind of see the bigger picture. Even as we learn that the world can be unfair, we choose to create meaning. And it's now the constant balance of intertwining all of these emotions of our past and present generations of ourselves and create a sense of homeostasis with them. And as lovely as all of that sounds, that crap is super hard to do, like really hard, because now you're also trying to do that with the balance of life itself. And life could have been 10 times harder than it was before or vice versa. You're coming out of a war and now it's like, how do I go back to reality? So let's backtrack based off of some of these definitions. Dr. Bowen says, Emotional conflict is anchored in the emotional system. Emotionally driven conflict encompasses biases and feelings as well as emotion. And don't get me wrong, conflict is good. That's where growth happens. But when the conflict is driven from an emotional perspective, there is a natural bias. It's intertwined with other feelings. Like, yes, you reacted to something and the action that made you upset is valid, but why did it make you upset? Is it because it happened the first time, three times? Was it because it triggered something in your past? Definitely all of us know. Well, I take that back. Sometimes we don't know that we're having an emotional response. 
But once you're aware of it, you can definitely distinguish when you are bringing up conflict that is stemming from repeated behavior and you kind of have a calm mindset of addressing it versus heated conversations where you can tell that you're using vocabulary to actually attack or harm the person that you're speaking to. Maybe not intentionally, it's out of defense, but I know that we all have done that at some point in our lives in any kind of relationship we've been in. Typically can be seen when we argue with our parents. We can definitely tell when we were emotionally driven versus bringing up a genuine conflict. Our differentiation is being able to separate the emotional systems we created for ourselves in attempts to protect ourselves the best way we knew growing up. Again, as a child, teen, and now adult, each person or experience you have in life may tap into a different emotional system you have made in order to protect yourself as well as make sense of whatever it was you were experiencing. You know who you are to the best of your ability with where you're at currently. And sometimes we don't always have the time in life to sit down and dive into ourselves. I know I don't, but it's something that I'm working on. For me, I found that I know my sense of self very well. In terms of within fight or flight, I'm definitely a fight person, but I know how to take on a parental role. I know how to be a leader when needed. I can make the hard choices. But when I found myself looking in the mirror, when there was no battles to be fought, I was still in some way emotionally the same little girl who was doing the best she could to protect herself with what she knew. And that's okay. It shows I've grown in so many other ways that I have a chance now to see or hear from a part of me that has been hidden or suppressed for so long. And honestly, like, as seen in so many movies and shows, to be yourself is to break the system, right? We're a species that thrives off of structure. It naturally gives meaning to things. But when you choose to make that meaning inherent in your being, it's to make that meaning profound. I mean, kind of like we talked, like what I talked about in the last podcast, like how do we make meaning? We dived into that. And this is how we start to live out our meaning. Becoming self-aware becomes more than just knowing what you consist of. Being able to be whole within or outside of a system is the next step. Part of doing this means you get uncomfortable. It's it's really scary dissecting yourself. It leads to a wonder that can turn into fear. Can I put myself back together? Can I build myself better than I was? Could I build myself worse? Or maybe I won't even know how to put the pieces back together and I'm just going to be lost and I won't come back at all. I know... I know how that feels and if you're there or you've been there, I hear you and I see you. It is so hard to navigate and to love when you yourself are completely dismantled. It's hard. It's really hard. But we're also a species of connection. This is where you will relearn in a beautiful and intimate way how you have been created, what you choose to identify within yourself, how you will honor this self in both the systems of your life and emotional systems you have in your relationships and as an individual outside of those systems. Some of us are learning how to fit in while being true to ourselves, while others are trying to get out of fitting in in order to be true to themselves. So for some people, they know how to function in a system, but as an individual, they're at a loss. Whereas others, they know how to be as an individual, but inserting themselves as an individual into systems is really difficult. 
And most of the time, that is the most prominent when they're in relationships. And you either get a relationship that is submissive to the independent role that you are as a single, or the relationship typically falls through because it's difficult for you to understand or create a sense of healthy compromise because you haven't really been in that area yet or experienced those things for a long enough period of time to realize these are the next steps in maintaining a relationship, especially romantically. But then again, these are all just ideas, food for thought, because we're all doing the best we can. But if you feel like you're in a place where you can take that next step and you're ready, I encourage you to take that dive. The best place to start really can be family or who is family to you. Lay out the dynamics of that relationship. Break out the system. What was the structure? You know, how many siblings did you have? Did you have one parent or two? Figuring out what each role was. Like, you know, were you a parental role? Were you in place of a mom or a dad? Or was it more discombobulated and the parents weren't there and you took it on? Or they were overbearing, which made you more wanting to be rebellious? Like, look at the structure of your most foundational relationship or family structure because they definitely do have a system to them that we don't even realize we had taken on and sometimes it's more apparent than others like i'm mexican so there's definitely a traditional hispanic family structure here in my in my family and that's kind of where i started because it was easier for me before i got into like the emotional roles which is a whole other separate podcast in itself but in class, we took a test of differentiation of self, and it's a scale. So it's a scale test, and there are ones that you can actually do in therapy. But So the scale is out of 0 to 100, 0 being complete fusion, which is you become lost. Not lost, but you blend into those around you and you tend to lose yourself within relationships. No matter what type of relationship it is, in some way, shape, or form, you conform to fit the needs of that relationship in a manner that you do not feel like your individual self. Like you were outside the relationship, you don't feel like that in the relationship. So that's zero. And then a hundred is basically the level of Buddha and Jesus, which is like completely self-sufficient from the world entirely, yet a hundred percent immersed in the human experience. And it's kind of impossible as for us to get there, but we can get relatively kind of close. Honestly, uh, one of the studies shows that on that scale from zero to a hundred, the average should be around like 50%. 45%, but the, I think it was the national average. I can't remember, but the people who took the scale, the actual average was in the thirties. So I thought that was really interesting, but I also think culture plays a huge role. Um, and it's really funny because Western culture, or at least I feel like here in California, um, as much talk as there is for connection, I do think everything is very segregated and separate. I mean, and I see all my neighbors, but I would never guess that any of my neighbors were having any sort of family conflict. You know, there's no sense of deeper community, but it may, it's different for every person. You know, there's other people that I know that are super close with their neighbors and know everything about them. So it definitely just depends on your own personal experience. 
but I'm trying to think of how I can link this test. I think if you just Google, let me see. Actually, if you Google differentiation of self, the first one that pops up, it should say Dr. Shaylin Pham. That's the one that I took. So if you wanted to take that just to kind of see, again, obviously, um, these tests aren't, you know, professionally, I wouldn't say professionally accurate, but I wouldn't think too hard on these tests. Like, if you don't like your score, that's fine. If you feel like it's not right, that's okay. Then it's not right. You know, you know yourself best. Um, but when I took that, so when you take that score, the first, the first three scores are the lower the number they're out of 100 the lower the number the better so the higher the number the more it's kind of like oh maybe this is something you can dive into the explanation is going to be the same for any result it's this number that's going to be different because it's all on a scale and the last one the last one is an i which is your sense of self that one the higher the number the more sense of self you have and the lower the number just means the more you kind of immerse yourself in relationships again honestly it's not a bad thing because every person's at a different stage in their life and once you realize that and you are ready to you know do something about that or you feel like you need to get to the next step then do so it's definitely no wrong or right answers at all it's more just an opportunity for the step to self-awareness which is always a great thing I can share my scores so my emotional reactivity is 54 which is hilarious because I definitely and for the people who know me I am not emotionally reactive however internally <laughs> internally I admit that I am I am very sensitive but I never let that affect any of my relationships but it doesn't mean the turmoil doesn't go on inside of me so I found that really interesting and Again, I'm sure it's common knowledge, but it clicked for me that, you know, just because I'm functioning in my everyday to day life and I've never seen a problem with some of the things that I know I need to work on doesn't mean that I shouldn't work on it. I know that's common knowledge, but for some reason that's really clicking with me, especially with the emotional reactivity one. It's like, why am I making myself go through this turmoil of talking myself out of a process that I know I need to get better on? So anyway, emotional reactivity, I got 54. And then the next one, emotional cutoff, I got 46. And then fusion with others, I got 32, which is not too bad. And then my I is 62. And I definitely do think that is true, but um, I do agree that I do, I am emotionally reactive internally. A lot of my conflict is very internal. So people wouldn't witness it, but it very much so has affected my relationships. Um, but I definitely have worked on that. And anyway, yeah, so if you want to take that test, take a little insight on yourself and kind of start that process of what are my systems? What was my family structure like? What role did I have to do in that? Do I still, you know, use that role in my other relationships in order to feel secure? Has that been effective or not effective? You know, are you at a state in your life where some coping mechanisms that were super effective these past few years are no longer effective based off of X, Y, and Z? 
You know, how are you going to address that? Do you want to change that? Do you feel like you need to? These are all great questions to ask yourself. Maybe like every month, every other month, kind of doing a little recap. Like, all right, this is what we did to survive this month. What can we drop? What can we add? Where is what growth is needed? It's always a good thing. So I hope all of you have a lovely rest of your weekend and I will see you guys next week from me to you.